listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Team's killing it tonight, aren't they? I'll give, give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Thanks for leading us. Hey, as I said, we're in uh, week two of our five series. Um, a, a little bit of a background just to really help you remember this. Um, what kind of happened during the Protestant Reformation? Why, why are we talking about this um, in a Baptist church? Is we owe a lot uh, to what happened at the Protestant Reformation for some key things that we believe today. And so when we talked two weeks ago about Scripture alone, or as they would say in Latin, sola scriptura, that was a key doctrine that came out that really defined, hey, here is what Christians have always believed, and we need to uphold this. And so this week, something really cool, another doctrine that came out of that is Christ alone, or sola Christus. And so um, you're, you're asking, you're wondering, hey, why are we going through this? Why is it so important? It's because... Uh, several hundred years ago, they believed this was important. Men and women giving up their lives to stand for these doctrines. And so anyway, I had a story that I wanted to share with you to kind of frame again uh, why we would be talking about this, but specifically about Jesus. Have any of you ever had somebody who thought it was a good idea to do like an early morning Bible study? Anybody? Like early morning? Anybody ever been to an early morning Bible study? Got like a few hands. Like how early? Six? Seven. Seven. I guess in college that's early. <laughs> Seven. Okay, so I heard of six. Any earlier than six? Anybody? Yeah? What time? Oh, Caitlin's just messing with me. Um, so one thing that I decided with the, the head youth pastor uh, when I was kind of serving as an associate there, kind of what Zach did for the journey, but I did this at First Baptist Church in Allen, Texas. We decided, hey, we want to kind of help dis disciple our students, and we're going to do a 6 a.m. Bible study, and we're going to go through the Gospel of John. That sounds like a good idea until your alarm goes off. You know what I'm talking about? You ever like plan your week, like I want to do this and this and that, and then like your alarm goes off, like nah, nah. You wake up at like eight instead. Well, anyway, I couldn't do that because I was the one literally unlocking the doors for the Bible study. So I got up there, and one of the funny things is like, and y'all kind of know this, like I think as you're a middle schooler, high schooler, and then like college and older, you do mature, right? Like you kind of handle early mornings a little bit better per se, or you kind of have a little bit more social awareness, right? And so, like, when you're in college, like, you're going to, like, fake a smile. But, like, middle schoolers and high schoolers just, right, walking in. So, like, they all come in. None of them look excited. Like, this is going to be a great morning, right? Like, okay. Um, so I, I say all that to give some grace. But one of the students, I'll never forget, um, actually said something heretical. All right? Now, where am I going with this? Um, we were in John chapter 1. Uh, if you know John chapter 1, it, it opens with what? A, kind of how Genesis 1 opens, right? Like in the beginning, let's just read it. I'm going to mess it up. Then I'm going to like kick myself for messing it up. All right, John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, good. Now I lost my spot for where we're going. Okay, good. So we read that. We talked about it. And um, I don't think I'll ever see this. There's a guy there. His name's Preston. Um, he's like older and married now. But 
he was just kind of in passing talking about like, well, we know this and this about Jesus. And like, we know that he was like created. And we were like, wait, what? Like Jesus was, wait, what? What did you just say? And he was like, what do you mean? And we like, all right, hey, bro. Like six in the morning, bear in mind. Um, and we go back and so say, no, like in the beginning was God. Nothing was created apart from him. Like, and his, his face like, oh. You ever had one of those moments? So here's what's crazy about Preston, a lot of those students that were in there. A lot of them, because there's not a lot of people that are wrestling with their faith that are willing to come to a 6 a.m. Bible study. <laughs> a lot of them have been in church their whole life. Um, a lot of them had not only heard about Jesus at church, I guarantee you, they talked about Jesus probably at their dinner table with their parents. I mean, they, the word Jesus has come out of their mouth so many times in worship and VBS growing up, everything. But there was a student who was operating on something that we, we didn't tell him, that's heresy. But really, he was operating on a false belief about Jesus, even though he'd been in the church his whole life. So here's the deal. It's kind of a serious intro, right? What I want you to kind of lean into tonight is like, we're not, I'm not gonna like have everyone con confess heresies that they believe. That, that's not what I'm going for. But what I think all of us could admit to is like, hey, it's always good to kind of look and see, hey, what do we believe about certain things, right? And like, Jesus, that's a pretty important thing, right, to know what we believe. And is there something that maybe we believe that's just a little bit off, right? Just having a great conversation before we started. A lot of, not even in the church, but conversations that we're going to be having more and more as our culture does not assume a Christian biblical worldview, um, but assumes other things, more and more we're going to have to be talking about this. And we're going we're to have people saying things about Jesus that they came up with their, in their own minds that there's nothing in the Bible that says that. And we're going to have to at least know enough to be like, hey, hey, I, I know what you said, but let me, can, can we actually read what the Bible says? Y'all tracking with me? And so another reason I'm, I'm just excited to kind of look into this tonight because I, I've grown this week studying and, and I hope that you will too. And so my question looking at this topic is what must we believe and embrace about Jesus? It's not just enough to kind of know it as like a lofty fact. What must we embrace, right, and hold as true and live as if it were true? So let's get started. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Y'all can go and turn there. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1. How many people, not, not like roasting anybody, is anybody following the South Crest reading plan at the moment? Are you on it? A few people, awesome. So this was not planned. This is so cool. We are in the book of Hebrews for the South Crest reading plan right now. So you can go. We have a South Crest app. You can get it on the app store and the resources. You can get on the Bible reading plan. We're going through Hebrews. So that's one cool thing. That's the reason, main reason why every single one of our points are going to be from the book of Hebrews. But the other reason is, is that if you want a good theology of Christ or a fancy word called Christology, Go to the book of Hebrews and learn it. And so let's dive in. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Again, the question, what must a Christian believe and embrace about Jesus? It says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom 
he also created the world. What must a Christian believe about Jesus? I want you to look in. It said, God spoke to our fathers by the who? Prophets. But in these last days, which could be interpreted from Jesus' time to now, in these last days, he's spoken to us by who? By his son. So the first thing a Christian must embrace and believe about Jesus is that he is the ultimate prophet. Okay, so what I mean by this, in, in the Old Testament, what we learn is there, and I'm going to kind of reveal them, there's three main kind of offices, so to speak, roles that Jesus plays. And they're playing off the Old Testament. And one of the first ones was prophets, right? You've heard about prophets, right? You know what I'm talking about. Prophets, um, really, a simplified definition, you could say, is prophets are supposed to represent God to the people. They sometimes speak for God, sometimes God reveals things, but that's the ultimate role of prophet. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, as the ultimate prophet, is the ultimate representative of God to us. He lived, he walked, he spoke in order to do that exactly. And I don't, I don't think we would argue there's not really anybody better to represent God than God himself in flesh, right? And because Jesus has spoken as a prophet, y'all listen to this, because he spoke words, he gets the final word. He is God, he is the prophet. And so here's what I was thinking about. Why, why is it important to clarify Jesus, not just as a prophet, but as ultimate prophet? So do y'all, have y'all ever seen, uh, there's a Netflix documentary about David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Have I seen that? Uh, it's, it's actually not a documentary. It's like a, they made it a show, right? Um, claiming to be a prophet or Jesus himself is not a new thing. Y'all know that, right? Like I do like a Google search, people claiming to be Jesus. Like you'll find like current people, past people, all that stuff like that. But in the Bible specifically, what we know is that there were good prophets and there were false prophets. There were prophets who accurately represented God to the people who have like books named after them. And there are false prophets who proclaimed and advocated a false view of God. And you know what? You could say that they advocated a false religion, or you could even say cult. And you know what? That's alive and well today. That's alive and well today. There are prophets who have spoken false words about God or false truths. So here we go. False truth. Yeah, anyway. So here, what do different false religions and cults say about Jesus? Is he their prophet or someone else? So we're going to look at several different things. Is that fair to look? Hey, what are some major beliefs in our culture today, in our world? What's going on? So the first is Judaism. Historically and consistently, what they need to say about Jesus is that he's a false prophet. Like, they, they have to say that to be consistent because they, they like wanted him killed for claiming to be God, for breaking Sabbath regulations. Even though we know that he fulfilled the law in himself, they claim that he was against the law. They actually even said, claim that he was of the devil. And that's a really cool story that we should talk about sometime. Um, so that was like an, a traditional, like Judaistic mindset. But what's happened over the years, modern day they're not even really looking for a prophet. They're more looking for relief from political, economic, cultural oppression. So they're, they're not actually looking for what Christians even look for in Jesus. Isn't that interesting? And so as you're, you're talking, interacting with most modern day, those who claim to be identified as Jewish, that's something you're going to have to work through. 
Let's go next. Um, and by the way, hey, look, when we're clarifying, when I'm naming names sort of religions, this isn't to be hateful, this is to be helpful. Does that make sense? This isn't, we're not throwing these under the bus, but we need, to, we need to bring these to light. And so you're gonna see why I preface this in a minute. In terms of false religion, a religion that cannot save Catholicism, they would say that Jesus is a prophet, lots of things we identify on, we believe that we're created in the image of God, that God has created lots of good things. When you start getting into salvation issues, when you start getting into what we talked about scripture, here's what's interesting. Jesus does not serve as the ultimate prophet for them because Jesus does not get the last word. Here's what I mean. Remember when we talked about two weeks ago, they believe in papal authority. And so whatever pope is in office at the time, he has authority to interpret scripture versus being able to read the word of God and let God speak for himself. Does that make sense? And so yes, they claim he was a prophet, but functionally not the ultimate prophet. Let's go on to the next one, Um, Islam. They believe Jesus was a sinless prophet. How many think that's good? Yeah, we need to say that Jesus was sinless. Y'all can raise your hand. That's good. You're like scared to raise your hand. I'm not tricking you. But not as great as Muhammad. Okay, well, we did so good. And then, but not as great as Muhammad. So there are holy Islamic writings that borrow. I mean, let me tell you, they have to borrow so much from our Old Testament. But once you get into the New Testament, they see only the words of Muhammad as an errant. In other words, he is their ultimate prophet. And so references to Jesus, not the same Jesus we're talking about there. Jehovah's Witnesses. All right, so now we're getting into what, and again, not being hateful, trying to be helpful. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, Mormons have to be, in in a theological sense, and traditionally have been called a cult. That is, that's not something I'm making up. I'm, I'm riding on the shoulders of men that, and women have come before me and examined these doctrines. So here's what Jehovah's Witnesses say about Jesus. That he's not God in human flesh. Uh-oh. But rather a created being. My friend Preston, from our introduction. You know, that's an ancient, ancient heresy called Arianism. So it's, it's nothing new. They, I also believe that Jesus was Michael the archangel in what's called a pre-existent state, uh, whatever that means, um, and was also the brother of Satan versus the creator of Satan. Again, Hebrews 1, look at this. Verse 2, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. All right. He can't, he can't be someone's brother. Like, if you have a brother or sister, you didn't create them. All right, that's... But we're talking about Jesus, right? We're just talking about a normal guy. So it doesn't matter if they think Jesus is a prophet because the Jesus they're talking about is not who? It's not Jesus. Let's go to Mormonism. Y'all hanging in there? I know this is kind of drudgy. Y'all hanging in there. All right, lots of content here. Jesus believed, Mormons believe Jesus was a pre-existent spirit just like all of us. And so it's a really big deal that we can attain equality or even already have equality with Jesus. Not just in human form, but in the fullness of all that he, he was. They believe he was the firstborn of all of God's spirit children. So again, was created, right? They, they say Jesus is not the unique son of God. Whoops, you know, <laughs> John chapter one. Whatever happened to him, this is a quote, whatever happened to him may happen to any one of us. 
And so becoming like Jesus, you've heard me say that, right? To be like Jesus has a whole new meaning in the worldview of Mormonism. In other words, we can become equal to Jesus in terms of divinity. We can become, in a sense, God's. Um, and I would say, I say in a sense, that's, that's some common lingo used. So again, it doesn't matter if he's held as a prophet because one, it's a different Jesus than the Jesus of Christianity. And two, functionally, uh, y'all heard of Joseph Smith, kind of their, their prophet who received uh, these tablets that can't be found anywhere or traced compared to our New Testament manuscripts, which are 5,600, pretty big disparity there. Um, he claimed tablets and from that developed what's called the Book of Mormon. Um, his interpretation, because uh, they say, hey, we, we believe in the Bible too. They use a different translation. They say that his interpretation in the Book of Mormon will always supersede. A really cool example. I think it's in the Book of Nephi, a Book of Mormon. Have y'all heard of Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, that we've been saved by grace through faith, not a result of works? So in the Book of Nephi, it says this. We've been saved by grace. I think it may say through faith. And then all that we can do. Isn't that crazy? So that supersedes. We can take them to Ephesians 2, but then all that we can do. And so really, we're looking at Jesus' words and Joseph Smith's words, and thereafter Brigham Young, who was his successor. Really, Joseph Smith is the ultimate prophet for Mormons. All right? Y'all still hanging in there? Let's go to some like religions that probably haven't, many, haven't had many interactions with. Hinduism. If they do have a parallel, it's going to be the second god of the Hindu triad called Vishnu. You have Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu. Um, I think some people pronounce it Vishna. So really, they have this concept of maybe, I'm not going to use, we, have, we believe in the Trinity as Christians, Father, Spirit, Son. They have this vague idea, but it's not that, I promise. What they're basically saying, though, regardless of what they hold, they accept all religions. They basically accept a form of universalism. So what that means is a typical Hindu, I had a, a Hindu neighbor when I lived in Dallas, shared the gospel with them. She was perfectly fine with taking that pocket Jesus out. This is a phone, not a pocket Jesus, and kind of putting it up on the shelf. Like, sure, yeah, I'll put them along with the other ones, right? It was interesting. They gave us what's called a, a Ganesha, which is one of the gods, and said, yeah, you can put it on your shelf too. And I was like, oh, man. So I debated, and they, they were like coming over, and I was like, it's going to be on the shelf, but it's because I'm praying for them every time I look at it. Anyway, it's a funny story. So for, for them, though, that was fine. Hey, let's throw up another god. Yeah, I'll believe in Jesus too. Each religion is relative truth. They'll say, well, that works for these people. They developed this in this region because of language and culture, and that's kind of what their gods look like. So Jesus could be seen as a prophet, but he's not what? The ultimate prophet. And that's what we have to embrace him as. In Hinduism, he's on the shelf with many, many others. Let's look at Buddhism holds Buddha as the enlightened one and the show of the way. That's not his original name, by the way. I should have wrote, written it down because it's hard to pronounce. Um, there was an actual man, uh, his name. Um, if you want that info, I can give it to you. Um, but he is their ultimate prophet. They're not looking for a personal God or really a God at all in our terms. And so here's something really, really important to, to realize. Christianity is kind of formed out of the idea of a personal God you could say it's sort of made in the image of a personal God. Buddhism is made out of the image of concepts. Makes sense? Harmony, like doing good things. Like in China, they have what we're called guanxi, keeping good relationships and things like that. Um, 
Actually, one apologist says this, any attempt of reconciliation between Christianity and Buddhism is impossible. That's how different the ideas are. Interacting with, I, I would agree, it's pretty hard. So you're starting from ground zero. You're starting from ground zero. Um, that's not to discourage you from sharing the gospel, but just helpful to know. Um, two more, universalism. Um, again, that's kind of the idea of like all paths lead to heaven, right? I've heard that before. Um, so I, as a Christian, can believe that I'm a sinner in need of God's grace and for Jesus to, to die for my sins. And, and apart from him doing that, the wrath of God remains on me, that those who are in Christ and believe in Jesus go to heaven, those who do not go to hell. We know that with basic teachings. So universalism can be, I believe that, I believe in that reality, which, by the way, is the reality. And someone over here could say, sorry, camera guys, I'm walking a lot. Uh, someone over here could say, um, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in a God. Um, I don't believe in sin, don't believe in heaven or hell. And the Houston Universal would say we end up in the same place. Even though we believe totally different things, we hold totally different realities, there being a false reality. And one of the things that I like to claim, we're going to go way over, i got to hurry. Um, one of the things I like to claim is like, okay, hey, pretend, pretend there's a statue right there. And uh, this actually worked better. They're having to follow me on the camera a lot. So let's say it's a statue. I'm looking at this statue. Um, I see one side, right? So I don't see the other side of my iPad right now. And so I'm looking at this. I'm going to tell you about the statue from this perspective. There's like a Bible there, an iPad. Right? So then I'm going to come over here. Let's just stop right here. Oh, I'm seeing something different. Look, there's notes with like red in there. And I, I scratched a lot of notes out, right? Okay, then there's that. And then I'm over here. I kind of see something different. I see a different perspective. A popular teaching is that, hey, People are seeing the same truth. They're just, they're looking at it differently. And that, that's a common idea, right? That, hey, they're just, Hindus are kind of seeing it from here. Christians are kind of seeing it from here. Um, Buddhists are kind of seeing it from here. Uh, Taoists, uh, whatever, Confucianists, whatever. They're kind of just seeing it. And, yeah, it's just different parts of the statue. But you know what? The, the question that Christianity asks is, is not that. Christianity asked, who made the statue, Right? I want to make sure you got that. They're, they're missing the point. They're saying that, oh yeah, truth is, everybody's just kind of looking truth. And what we ask is, no, who created the statue? Where does the source come from? Who dropped it down? Like who put it there? Where did the rock come from to put it together? Y'all see where I'm going? And so we know, we just use common sense. We kind of zoom out. We look at that. Here's the last one. Um, it's not, not fair to lump these together, but with atheists, agnostics, and skeptics, what they'll do, I was having a, I've referenced the conversation before um, that I just had before we started. What they do is they commonly examine Jesus, not as the Bible speaks about him, but conjure up their own ideas of him, right? That's why it's important. My friend Preston, like, hey, hey, that's actually not true. And then what they do, they conjure up their own ideas and they critique Jesus, they critique Christianity on that basis. And so what happens is they don't act, interact with the Jesus of here. Like nothing that they believe is actually interacting with the Jesus of the Bible or they're taking partial truths out. Here's why I say this. Um, talking with an atheist one time, he, he had this got me question. I, and, I, and I love this because I, I love getting to talk and interact. I love when it's an actual conversation. But he would admit like he was ready. Like he had this like thing that was going to just leave me just confused 
And he said, so like, Jesus is all powerful, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you believe that it was through him God created the world? Yeah, 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 okay. Um, he said, what if, if he's all powerful, he can do anything, what if he created a rock so big that he couldn't move it? You ever heard that before? What if he did that? Because he can do anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, man, man, that's a good question. So I kind of went back. So you're saying like, okay, here's Jesus, like with his hands and his feet, maybe, not with his feet, <laughs> with his hands, he's created this big rock. That would be kind of cool. Like, man, he's using everything. Um, he's created this big rock. And uh, man, that gun is so big, I can't move it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And so what I did was I, I took him to Genesis 1 and I asked him, hey, how, how did it say God created the world? Did it say he had to use his hands? And um, He said, no. I said, well, how did he do it? Oh, he just spoke. I said, right. He spoke and the sun became a thing and the moon became a thing and galaxies became a thing. And I said, let's go back to your story. Jesus in this rock, he would never have to go up and push it. Or, he would just speak and it would move. Isn't that awesome? And so why, why, did that, why did that catch him so off guard? The reason is because he was talking about Jesus in human terms. He was using parts of Jesus. He's all powerful, but then stripping him of his deity. So he, how is he going to move that rock? And it's like, no, no, no. He spoke and the rock was created. He can speak and move it wherever he wants. Y'all get that? Y'all tracking with me? You good? So that's an example of how we can think ways about Jesus, ways that we can help people see, hey, this is what it actually says. So what is my application for this? My application as you embrace Christ as your ultimate true prophet, okay, who represents God perfectly to the people. I, I know there are good things that you can say people of other religions do, like there's some good works that have been done. There's some really just, I mean, amazing things you could even say that have been accomplished. But one, none of the prophets, none of those who speak for other religions outside of Christianity, none of them, or even most of the prophets except all the prophets except Jesus, none of them were without sin. They were merely human. And number two, they denied the one true God. And so they are false prophets because a prophet's role in scripture is to represent God to the people. And what they do is they fundamentally rejected Jesus. And what we do, we fundamentally embrace Jesus as prophet. So what must we believe? We embrace Jesus as the ultimate, not just one, not just on a shelf. And we learn to talk about him in the ways that we just talked about to help people see. Let's look at the Jesus of the Bible. There are two more offices that I want to look at. Y'all hanging in there? Sorry, I know this is a lot of information. I had a lot of fun with this. I'm trying to keep you engaged. All right, so what must a Christian believe about Jesus? Y'all go over to Hebrews chapter nine. First, we know we must embrace him as ultimate prophet. Look at chapter nine, 11 through 14. Again, Hebrews is awesome. It says this, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Um, and go through 14, sorry. For if the blood of goats and bulls and sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, 
Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. There's a lot there. But what you must see next, what you must believe and embrace about Jesus is that he is the ultimate priest, okay? In other words, we're gonna sing in a minute, spoiler alert, before the throne of God, and the words say, a great high priest whose name was love. The beautiful thing about Jesus as a priest is he didn't just let us come to him and confess sins and, and make an atonement. Like the priests in the Old Testament were having to continually make these uh, sacrifices of animals and grains and various things. And you know what happened? People continued to sin. So the next day and the next day and year after year and different, uh, different times of the season, they make once a year a big sacrifice and all these things just kept happening, kept happening. What they needed was a priest to step in and make a sacrifice, one final and for all. So Jesus didn't just come and say, all right, well, let's take something and sacrifice it. He gave himself up as a perfect, sinless, unblemished lamb of God and laid down his life to die for us, the death that we deserved. And so there, there's Jesus as sacrifice. That's one part of it. What it means is he is a priest. He becomes a sacrifice, and then there's Jesus as intercessor. Y'all go to Hebrews 7, chapter, or, sorry, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. It says this, Hebrews 7, 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who, what? Draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And so I read this in a book about prayer today. It says, our having God's ear is as sure as having God's son. So as sure as you're saved in Christ, you have access to pray to him. Does that make sense? So like if, if you have confidence that you're going to heaven because you've been saved by Jesus, you should have confidence that you can pray to him. We have direct access. See, other priests, what would happen, they'd die. They couldn't continue in their office. Jesus holds his office eternally. He's a faithful priest. He sacrificed and intercedes. And what, what is the role of priest ultimately? Prophet represents God to the people. You know what the priest does? He represents God's people to God. Isn't that cool? So this was a really big deal at the time of the Reformation. There's two aspects. One, Jesus being a sacrifice, be, Jesus being a priest, um, what is kind of the doctrine that Roman Catholics were holding? That you're saved by grace and what? Works. And so what they did, um, very much so, same as they do with Jesus as ultimate prophet, is Jesus says, it's, it is finished on the cross, and they said, keep working. <laughs> you see that? Jesus as the prophet, Jesus as the ultimate sacrifices, it's finished, I've done. And they said, but keep going, keep working. You haven't earned it all yet, right? And so that's the first aspect that's really important. That, that's how this distinguished. They said, no, Jesus is it. It's Christ alone. It's him alone. It's all only what he's done. And then there was the aspect of him as intercessor, that you would have to come to a priest because you they believe you don't have this direct access to God that we believe as Protestants called the priesthood of the believer. You ever heard of that before? That we have direct access, access to God, excuse me. And so we don't need to wait for weekly confession hours to come sit in a box and talk to some man about our sin. You know what we can do? We confess our sins to Jesus directly. Isn't that beautiful? 
We can cry out in repentance to him. We can plead for him, to Jesus directly. Lord, Jesus, my, my mom's sick. My dad's sick. Lord, I've lost, I've lost my job. I need your help. Lord, God, I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm anxious. I need help. It's available 24-7, anytime, any day, anywhere. If you don't believe me, try it. And so we embrace him as our sacrifice and our intercessor. And why I want you to know this, if you're wondering, hey, is he saying we don't need to come to pastors for prayer? No. What I'm saying is that what happens a lot of times in American culture is that a pastor, I can speak on this, a pastor becomes, we kind of can put religious leaders in places where, they, where only Jesus belongs. That makes sense? And so let me flesh this out. Sometimes someone will ask for prayer. I don't do this a lot, um, but I can kind of tell they keep asking a lot. Um, and I, I get this sense of like, I don't, I don't think they're praying. I think they just want me to pray, which is good. I, I want to pray. And sometimes I'll ask, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I'm just, are you praying for this too? And sometimes I just get a weird look. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're the pastor. You should be praying. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, God's given you in Christ access to pray to him anytime. Like, I, I'm glad to be here. And, and for all of you, just, just for the record, glad to encourage, to, to pray, to, to walk side by side with you in life and things like that. But my goodness, you're, you're drawing the short stick if you're like coming to me and not Jesus, right? Or any pastor. And that's what's beautiful. We can pray to him directly. We have access to the great high priest whose name is love. And so embrace him as your sacrifice and intercessor. What must you do? You must embrace him as ultimate priest. Let's look at one last office. Hebrews 1, go back to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Starting in verse 3, we're going to center on verse 3. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Man, we don't talk about anybody that way except Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he does what? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. So Jesus is not like, oh, I got it right. Like, by the word of his power. Like, he's just effortlessly universe stay up and just there it is isn't that awesome so what must a christian believe about jesus the last thing we're going to say tonight where we're going to focus a christian must believe that jesus is the ultimate king so in the old testament there's prophet there was the role of priest and then there was king think king david supposed to represent what god's rule and reign to god's people that's what a king's supposed to do he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Does any other religion speak so highly of God? I mean, can any king fathom such power? And now he's sitting at the right hand of God. Matthew 28, 18 says that all authority has been given to him and on earth and in heaven. On earth and heaven. Revelation 19, 16 says that on his robe and thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You, just, you don't hear earthly kings talking about that. Like, hey, I don't know if you heard of it. I'm ruling heaven and earth these days. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't hear that. Like, hey, I don't know if uh, word gets around. I, like, spoke, and the universe is just kind of sitting there doing its thing. Like, no. This title of ultimate king is reserved for Jesus and Jesus alone. 
I was thinking about this truth in light of Christian persecution throughout history. So I was thinking about that Jesus is king, right? But his people right now, it's not like something we can go through persecution. It's not like he's instantly like sweeping in and saying, no, 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 no. We we're go through suffering. So how do, we, how do we reconcile this that Jesus is king, he's ultimate king, but his people still can, can have difficulty in life all around the world, and especially in light of Christian persecution. That was something I was thinking about. How many, right now and throughout history, kings and political leaders have basically put themselves in the place of Jesus? A lot, right? They make themselves gods. And they either indirectly or directly, like Nebuchadnezzar did, say, bow down and and worship this. I'm going to create this, you bow down and worship it. But in steps Philippians 2, 10 through 11, that says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I was thinking about names of people that are going to face this reality of this verse. Names of religious groups, names of countries that have done wrong against Christians, have set themselves against God, and they're going to have to recognize one day, not, by, but not in salvific faith, but like in terror of judgment, that Jesus is supreme, ultimate king. I was thinking about names like this, Claudius of Rome and Nero, in, in early church history. Burning Christians, I mean, just awful things. I was thinking, fast forward a lot. Queen Mary, and it was Bloody Mary, burned Protestant Christians at the stake. Um, Mao, Mao Zedong, who really kind of brought about, like led China through what China has become today, killed Christians, persecuted Christians, threw pastors in prison to where their wives were having just alone with their children, having to raise their children by themselves. Saddam Hussein, ISIS, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un carrying out, he's burning Christians on crosses, killing them with steamrollers. Xi Jinping, current chairman of the Chinese Communist Party, he says Christianity is a foreign infiltration, as if it's something that's come in, it's infiltrated, it doesn't belong here. It's an, it's an American Western idea. It's like, dude, read history. It's not from America. Anyway, um, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, India, Iraq, Turkey, so many countries that have been known for people in those countries and groups setting themselves. And so in the midst of that, some of you can't even relate to that. We don't have to go through that. But we may someday. You will encounter trials of various kinds. And here's my thing for us. In the midst of persecution and opposition, what have Christians done throughout history? What are Christians doing in North Korea right now and in China and Afghanistan and Pakistan and Syria and Turkey and wherever, Yemen, wherever it is? They are being faithful and loyal to King Jesus amidst these things. So that's our application for tonight. Embrace him as your ultimate king now, not, not later. Gladly bow down. Don't, be, don't let that day come when Jesus comes and you're forced to bow down because you know what's coming. And I think, especially with an American worldview, like the idea, it's very, look back at the American Revolution, like the idea, we don't really like kings, right? <laughs> like we established that in the, in the 1700s. Like we don't really like kings very much. Like the idea of revering royalty in American worldview, that's kind of nauseating, right? Like I don't want to talk about that. Here's the beauty of Jesus. Um, he's, a, he's a king that we're going to want to bow down to. And I can tell you as, as someone, what, what happens 
is that we can, we can see him as our prophet and priest, but we, we don't want to bow down. We, we'll say, hey, hey, die for me, but don't tell me what to do. And the beauty of it is, is that we want to be in the place where Jesus tells us what to do because he has all wisdom. He has all authority. He knows exactly why we're created. I've tried other things. I, I don't know if you've, I've, I've tried being my own king. I've tried making the thoughts and opinions of others king. I've tried making my marriage king, my, my wife queen, I guess you could say. Um, I've tried other things. I'm just letting you know it doesn't work. If you're ever on the fence with this, as I have been at times in my life, Jesus is inviting you, come on over to my kingdom. Embrace me as your king. Embrace my sweet reign. We're not done with that thought, but what we know right here is Jesus, uh, sorry, a Christian must believe and embrace Jesus as ultimate prophet, priest, and king. And a fair question to ask at the end of this, um, as we're about to close out, here's a fair question to ask. Um, what do I stand to lose if I don't actually care about any of the stuff that we talked about? Or is, would it be a tragedy? And what would be tragic about it if any of us left here and didn't care about what we just talked about? Prophet, priest, king, like those, are, those aren't modern terms, bro. Like, come on, get with the times. Here's why. I think what happens a lot of times is that we, we can gladly not see, we don't see Jesus as prophet sometimes. Or, or this, we only see Jesus as prophet, but he's not our priest and our king. So what that means is that, oh, look at these like little Instagrammable, like little things of Jesus said, but I don't actually know the gospel, so he's not my priest, and he's definitely not my king. He doesn't tell me what to do. Like, I'll take the things that I like, but I'm, but I'm not gonna let him actually be my king, be my Lord, right? And then there's a temptation that he is this kind of priest role, that Jesus is the one that like, oh yeah, he's, he's the one I just talk to, like he's my buddy, like just kind of talk and tell him all my things, but he's not, he's not your prophet, so you don't believe his words and hold them as authoritative, and you also don't see him as king. Hey, we can be buddy-buddy, but like once you start to kind of like control my life and, and, and form my purpose, no, 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 I don't want that. And then sometimes, and this can be the most tragic of all, sometimes we see Jesus. There's a lot in the American church. Y'all lean into this. I know it's been long. A lot of times what we do is we see Jesus, we see God as this tyrannical king, as this God that's never pleased with us, that's always telling us what to do, who has this harsh rule, who has this standard that we can never reach, who's always just reminding us, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And again, can't find that in here but we see Jesus as this tyrannical king and we totally miss out on him as a prophet and the beautiful words that he spoke of love and forgiveness and mercy and purpose and design for our life and we totally miss the fact that yes there is a standard of righteousness and he is our king but as priest what he did we totally miss it sometimes that he laid down his life for us. And so he is a savior king. He is, as a leader, he is a servant leader. He lays down his life for us. And a lot of times we miss, in a functional way, we miss one of those. 
A lot of times when we fail to, simple things, fail to read our Bible, we got one of those things mixed up and there's this guilt or false idea or, or lack of motivation, whatever you may call it. And it's almost every time it's because we've mixed up of who Jesus really is. He's your prophet, your priest, and king. Open up your word. Spend time with your, with your Lord, with your king. Spend time with the great high priest whose name is love, who intercedes for you. Pray to him. That makes sense? Y'all track it with me? I believe it's time, we're talking about the Protestant Reformation, I believe it's time for the church to have a new Reformation, and we're basically returning to the heart of who Jesus really is. If you come in this space, don't leave not knowing that Jesus is your prophet, priest, and king. I think what this really boils down to, if I could sum this up, is what we're trying to do so many times, we try to find in people, things, religions, or philosophies, or whatever it may be, things that can only be found in Christ. So many people will try to tell you, Jesus plus this will make you happy. Jesus plus this, or like subtract Jesus out of the equation. But here's the equation you need to know tonight. And I encourage you to write this down. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. All we have and need and want is Christ and Christ alone. Our vision, we talk about finding your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Want to do that? Behold your prophet, behold your priest, and behold your king. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these truths. We're going to worship you in song now. Lord, I'm I'm praying for those in here that, God, if Jesus is not their great high priest, that maybe they would make him that tonight, that they would accept what you've done and mercy and grace for us on the cross. Um, Move us, Lord, who know these truths so often but come cold to them and dry to them. Move us to authentic worship and stir our hearts to behold our, our risen Christ again for all that you are. Pray this in Jesus' name. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.